Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Stuart Mazell. I am the uh, lead pastor here at Westminster. It's great to see all of you here. Thanks especially to those of you who are visiting with us. We're very thankful that uh, you chose to worship with us today. I uh, hope that you're able to find uh, Westminster to be a place where we, uh, we love one another well and we love our Savior. And we, We're not perfect, but we do want to live in a way that is as worthy of the gospel as we can make it um, by the help of the Spirit. So today we're starting a new series. It's just uh, for a few weeks, I think five weeks, uh, but we're calling it Life Together. That's the, the name of this new series. This is going to be done somewhat in conjunction with, in connection with, a, um, a focus on vision in August. And uh, I needed this sermon to uh, get us started. And then next week, during Sunday school hour, we're going to have some time. We're going to be talking about vision for the church, where the leadership believes God may be taking us and what we need to do to get there. So um, you don't want to miss that. If you're able to come for Sunday school, we would love for you to hear that. Um, and then this sermon series is going to be somewhat in connection with that. And uh, so... We're going to be looking today at uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. There are going to be a lot of other passages of Scripture we're going to reference. Uh, but all of them will be here on the screen, so you don't have to flip-flop flip, flip, back and forth in your, in your Bible. But here's the passage for today, the main passage, Romans 12, verses 4 through 5. And this is what God's Word says. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Let me pray for us. Father, again, thank you for your word, and thank you for giving us your truth drive that truth deep within our hearts and our minds, our souls, our very being, that those of us who uh, follow Jesus would embrace your truth more and live in light of it, and those who have not yet decided to follow you, uh, that you in your sovereign grace would draw them to yourself and that they would see their need for you and see how you love them and would draw them near and that they would be a part of your body that we're talking about today. And Jesus, most of all, we pray that you would preach to us by your spirit. We need to hear your voice. So give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, and give us a heart that will respond with real repentance, with real faith, with real obedience. For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God. Amen. What do you think it would be like to be a zookeeper? You ever thought about that? Anybody ever thought about being a zookeeper? Not in this church. 
Well, Megan Neems, a zookeeper in Attleboro, Massachusetts, was interviewed in, uh, I think it was JSTOR Daily, if I'm not mistaken. And she says, this is what she says her day is like, 90% of her day is spent scrubbing, sweeping, mopping, and disposing of the feces of dozens of species of animals. Wow. That does not sound like a great job to me. And yet, according to that article, her job satisfaction level is through the roof. She sees it almost as a calling. And in another article in Administrative Science Quarterly, I know you're saying, Stuart, what kind of stuff do you read? <laughs> Researchers have reported that zookeepers have, quote, about the closest anyone in the modern secular wor world come to having a calling. Zookeeping is dirty, repetitive, and poorly paid, and yet people will volunteer for years, move across the country, and accept major sacrifices in their personal lives to be able to do it. Apparently, zookeepers feel called to the zoo. They feel called to the animals, even with all of the messiness that's involved. Some of you are smiling because you know where I'm headed. When I think about this, I can't help but think about what it means to be a follower of Christ. I am not just called to Jesus, which is awesome, but I am called to his church. I'm called to the community of faith. I'm called to Jesus' people. And even though people can be messy, dirty, and even though we may not get paid very much, at least in this life, for what we do as a church, do we have the same kind of zeal a zookeeper might have for being called to the church? That's what we're going to talk about today and for the next couple of weeks. That Christ followers are called to community. Christ followers are called to community. We are not just called to Jesus. We are called to Jesus, but we are called to much more than just Jesus. We're called to his people. We're called to be in community with one another. Let's take a look at the passage that I read just a few moments ago from Romans 12. For as in, Paul writes, for as in one body, see there's just one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. The, the point is, if 
Christ is the head and we are the body, you cannot be the body without being connected to the body. You cannot be the body unless you are a part of the body. And Jesus says, if you are mine, you are part of the body. You're part of my community that I am building here on earth, the church. And this theme of being called to community, it's not just found in passages like this, but it's found all over Scripture that we are not individuals primarily. We are individuals who are connected in a community, the community of Christ. Right? That's why, like, think about this. 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Notice, it does not say, see what kind of love the Father has given to just you. Not everybody. No, it says to us, collectively. Yes, as individuals, but also as a, as a community that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And if we're children of God, that means we are family. This is why throughout Scripture you see people being called brothers and sisters. This is what we are. We're family. Or think about Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 through 28. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Point being, yeah, you have differences maybe when you came into the church, but now you all belong to Jesus, first and foremost. This is your identity. This is who you are. You belong to Christ. And because you belong to Christ, you also belong to one another. Or think about one more passage, 1 Peter 2, 9-10. through 10. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see what all of those descriptors have in common? It's not just you and Jesus. You're not just an individual. You are a part of a greater whole of which you are called to be a part. We are called as Christ followers to community. Now why is this important for us to know? Why is this important for us to embrace? Lots of reasons, but I want to give you three very important reasons today. The first is this. We, as Christ followers, were called to community. Why? Because we belong to Christ and to one another. We belong to Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you belong to Jesus, first and foremost. But because you belong to him, you also belong to one another. It's sort of like this. If you were belong to Jesus as your head, then you also belong to everyone else who is connected to the head. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, we read these words. You are not your own. 
You're not your own individualistic self. You belong to someone else. You were bought with a price, the price of Jesus' blood shed for you. So glorify God with your body because your body belongs to Jesus. And then we see also in Romans 14, verses 7 through 8, none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We belong to Jesus first and foremost. But because Jesus is our head, that means we not only belong to him, we belong to everyone else who's connected to him. As we read in Romans 12, 4 through 5, the passage I just read a few moments ago, as in one body, that's us. We have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Yeah, you don't lose your individuality. You're still you, but you belong to something bigger and greater than just yourself. The church, the community of faith. Some of you may be uh, familiar with the uh, Enneagram. I'm sure that some of you have heard of it before. If you're you're not familiar with it, the Enneagram is basically a personality test, a personality profile that has nine different basic personality types, and they're all uh, focused on a number, one through nine. Um, Apparently, I am a four, and if you know anything about um, the Enneagram, you're probably going, yeah, that seems to fit you. Sometimes it's called the individualist. A four likes to distinguish himself from everybody else by being different. By not wanting to, wanting to be a part of the crowd, but at the same time not wanting to be a part of the crowd. It's the tension, it's the dance that fours supposedly have. I still remember to this day, I mean, it's been a few years back, but I was reading a book. Uh, It's uh, Ian Crone's book, The Road Back to You, if any of you have ever read it. And under the heading of what it's like to be a four, I read these words. And I was like, that's me. Sorry, it's still still a little little hard for me to... um, say this. What it's like to be a four, underneath that heading it said, I never really felt like I belonged. I never really felt like I belonged. It it hit home when I read that. In fact, just just to give you a little insight into this, just this week, just this week, I'm driving to Presbytery, which is a meeting of our churches in the regional area. And as I'm driving, I'm thinking, why am I a part of this Presbytery? Why am I doing this? I don't belong with these guys. I don't fit in with them. I don't belong. And that was going through my head as I'm driving to Presbytery. I have felt that way almost all my life, that I just don't belong. Maybe you felt that way. 
But here's part of the good news of Christ. Christ says, you do belong. You belong first and foremost to me, Jesus says. I died for you. I rose from the dead for you. I purchased you. You are mine. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And that is such good news to those of us who feel like we don't belong. But I don't just belong to Jesus. The scriptures tell me that there is even a bigger group that I belong to, that you belong to if you're a follower of Jesus. That we belong to one another. I may not feel like I belong, but I do. This is what the scriptures say. Think about 1 Corinthians 12, 13 through 17. And every time I read this, I go, yes, I belong somewhere. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? And then a little bit later on in that same chapter, he says, now you, collectively, that's a y'all, y'all are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If you're like me and you have moments where you think, I don't belong to this group. I don't feel like I fit in. Hear the good news. You belong to Jesus. And not only that, you belong to his church. He placed you in the church for his reasons. He's got you. I would say he's even got you here today for his reasons. You belong. And it's good news. As Christ followers, we're called to community. And that community is, has Jesus as the head and we're his body and we belong to one another. Well, there's another reason why we need to make sure that we understand why we need community. It's not just that we belong to each other. I mean, theoretically, you can say, okay, I belong. And then it not change your life at all. But I'm going to say something here that, again, some of us might chafe against, but we need to hear it. We need each other. Church, we need each other. I need you. You on this side, you need these folks. And you, you need those folks. We all need each other. Again, think about what Paul says in Romans 12. As in one body, we're all one body. We have many members. And you guys are all different. Many different members. But, and the members don't have all the same function. Yeah, you all do things differently. You think differently, you act differently, you have different gifts, you have different abilities. But 
Because you're one body, you belong to one another and you're individually members of one another and that means you need each other. You can't be the body of Christ all by yourself. Right? That's what he says in, uh, that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 again. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And I've said this before about this passage, but let me say it again. Notice, Paul says the head. That's Jesus, right? And, the G- and Jesus is saying to the feet. He can't say, I have no need of you. That's powerful. Not that Jesus needs us as his glorified self, but he willingly says, I want you to be a part of this and I'm not going to accomplish things without you. Wow. That's pretty powerful. To hear the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords say, you, I want you on my team. You not only belong, there is a need for you. I put you in this body for a reason. I put you in this group for a reason. You're not to be just someone who says, well, I don't have a part to play. No, you have a part to play. If there's nothing else, one of the reasons why we need each other, and and I, you know, this is one of those things that I know nobody wants to hear about, but it's sin. We, We need each other because we sin. Okay? We, we need each other because we're all tempted to sin. We all have blind spots. We all have those areas of our lives where we, don't, we are doing something or saying something or thinking something, and other people can see it, but we can't. And we need each other to say, hey, dude, that's sin. Hey, hey dude, what you're doing, that's not right. What you're thinking, what you're saying... Have you considered what the scriptures say about this? Because Jesus says this and you're doing that. Do you not see the the discrepancy there? As uh, the author of Hebrews says in in Hebrews chapter 3, and I want you to notice the language here. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day. How often? Every day. Shouldn't he have just said every Sunday? I mean, that's when we meet. No, every day we need this. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. That's that's the point. Sin is deceitful. It gets into your head and you start thinking things and you you deceive yourself. And we need to hear someone else say to us, you know what, I think you're being deceived by sin. Look at Jesus. Turn back to Jesus. 
I know it's no fun being corrected. I know it's no fun having someone point out your sin. But let's just think about it this way. If you were about to eat rat poison, you would probably want someone to say, hey, did you notice you're about to eat rat poison? Maybe you ought not to do that. Right? If you were about to drive off a cliff and there's a person sitting in the next seat to you, you would probably look at them and go, hey, there's a cliff, cliff, cliff coming. Stop. (laughs) Right? We need each other to be corrected because sometimes we're driving off a cliff. Sometimes we're about to eat poison. And we need someone to tell us, don't do that. Don't do that. That is hurtful. That's harmful to you. And think about, uh, there's this other passage in Ephesians chapter 4, where he talks about what the church is supposed to be like. And I love this passage, and I wanted to preach on this specific passage, but I did that recently, and so I didn't want to do the same passage again, but listen to what he has to say. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we, the church, we are to grow up in every way into him, into Jesus, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part, that's each one of you, is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you you hear? The way that God has designed the church is that when each of us are doing what we're called to do, when we're playing our part, whether it's an eye or an ear or a mouth or fingers or toes, whatever it may be, when we're doing our part, the body will grow. The body will build itself up in love. That's the way God designed this beautiful thing he calls the church. And then finally, there's one more way that we need each other. And that's from Galatians 6. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Every one of us in this room has a burden. Let's just be honest about that. Every one of us. Now, your burden may be light (laughs) compared to someone else's burden. But every one of us has something that's hard for us to deal with or something that's difficult, something that we're challenged by. We need each other to bear one another's burdens. And when we do so, this passage says we're fulfilling the law of Christ. We're doing exactly what Christ calls us to do by bearing the burdens of each other. 
You know, I, I'm not much of a professional basketball fan, um, but back in 2020 when all of the COVID uh, lockdown stuff was going on, um, Paul George, who's a forward for the LA Clippers, was very open and vulnerable in an interview about something that was going on with him. He admitted his struggles with depression and anxiety. But he also admitted how grateful he was for his teammates who rallied around him and helped him bear that burden. In fact, what he said in that interview was, shout out to the people that were in my corner that gave me words. They helped me big time, helped me get right, get me back in great spirits. I can't thank them enough. And one of his teammates in response to that said, we just wanted to get him out of that, that mess that he was in, get him out of his room, just constantly be around him to show him that we're here with him. Listen, if a basketball team can do that for one of their members, what is the calling of the church for us when we're going through difficult times? Don't we need each other that way? Yeah, we do. And so that's another reason why Christ followers are called to community. We belong to each other and we need each other. And then finally, the third, the third point that I was going to say is uh, it's about our witness. Our witness to the world is best seen through community. Now here, I, I can hear someone say, but wait a second, Stuart, you know, our witness to the world, that's as an individuals. You know, I go out into the world and I live a life that's dedicated to Jesus and people see what I'm doing and they see me and, you know, that's about, that's our witness as individuals. That is a good point. But I'm going from what Jesus says, from what the scriptures say, when he says that we are to be salt and light, he's not saying just you as an individual. He's talking about the whole group of us. Again, Romans 12. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so that we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So what you as an individual do, it's in connection with the church. You are an extension of Christ's community. Even if you're an individual out in the community of Sumter, what you do is as a representative of Christ and his church. And not only that, think of the words of Jesus. And I, I go back to these over and over again to remind myself, again, Enneagram 4, individualist, I'm going to do it my way. This is the way I'm doing things. I am an individual. All those things are part of what I bring to the table, but I have to remind myself that I am a part of a bigger community. And Jesus says, in community is where our witness is best seen. Here are two examples of where he says that. John 17, verses 20 through 21, in his high priestly prayer, 
He says, I do not ask for these only, he's talking about his disciples who are around him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you hear that? The oneness of the body of Christ is part of the way God will reach out into our community, into the world, and have people see what we are because we're unified and they will say, Jesus really did come to seek and save the lost. That they may believe that you have sent me. And then, same thing in John 13, verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How are you going to love someone that you never spend time with? How are you going to be unified if you never get together? Do you hear what I'm saying? Christ has called those of us who follow Him to be a part of the community. And we belong to one another, we need one another, and even our witness to the watching world is best seen when we act together, when we love one another well, when we show unity. Now I know the skeptic or the critic at this point would say, the church is so divided. The church isn't unified. And love one another? Have you heard some of the things that people, church people say about each other? Yeah, but that's not the way it should be. Church, that's not the way it should be. We're called to be a community where we love one another where we care for one another, where we, even if we're not unified right now, we seek to be unified. We long for that. That's what, because we know that's what Jesus wants. And we're here to demonstrate the way that Jesus says you belong, the way that Jesus says I want you on my team, the way Jesus says I love you. And I'm willing to unite myself to you. And we're to reflect that. So if you like action points, today's action point is this, and it should be very obvious. Actively, actively engage in the community of the church. And here is where, all right, here is where the, uh, the pitch comes. And, and, and some of you, you've been here long enough, you know exactly what I'm getting ready to say, life groups. I know, you're getting tired of hearing about it. But you know why we need life groups? Sunday morning will not cut it for all the things we just talked about. It's not going to cut it. It's a part, it's a huge part, it's an important part, but it is not going to make the things happen that we're called to do. What we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, we are called 
to life together. L-I-F-E, life together. We're called to learn together. And not just on Sunday mornings. We are called to invest in one another. And how are you going to invest in one another if you don't have certain people that you're going to invest in? You can't invest in everyone in this room, but you can invest in a small group of people. We're called to focus on prayer, to pray for one another. How are you going to pray for one another effectively if you don't know what's going on in each other's lives? And then the E is encourage each other to ministry involvement. How are you going to encourage people, stir one another up to love and good works, as the scripture says, unless you're engaging with one another? on a regular basis. If you're just in here listening to me and then you leave, you're not able to do those things very well. So we're going to be hitting all four of those areas as we go through this this week, this, uh, this, this next month. And, and, and listen, if that turns you off, if you think, oh, can't wait till he gets to the next sermon series because I'm tired of hearing about life groups. Look, it's important to be engaged with each other. All that I've said today comes straight from Scripture, that we belong to one another, we need one another, we are best seen as a witness to the world around us when we act together. How can we do that well if all we do is show up on Sunday morning and that's all we got? We need more than just one hour or so on Sunday morning. That's what Jesus calls us to. And remember, this is the Jesus that died for us, that rose again from, from the dead for us, that ascended into heaven for us, that sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us every day and at some point in the future will return so that we'll see him face to face. But until then, we're called to be his body, his people together. So, because of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, let's commit to active engagement in the covenant community of the church. Let me pray for us that we'll do that. Father, help us. We need you. We need your spirit. We need each other. For those of us who feel like we don't belong, show us that we do and help us to not just know that we belong, but even feel that we do belong because the body around us helps us to see that we do belong. Lord, help us to bear one another's burdens cause us to get into, into each other's lives, to show our blind spots, to lift one another up in prayer, to care for one another. And as a church, as Westminster Presbyterian Church particularly, help us, work in us, empower us, that we will be a witness to a watching world by being unified, by loving one another well, by being the body that you called us to be. And Lord, we pray all this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.